0: and welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod and we are coming to you live from various different places around Los Angeles this morning. Uh, special show today, a little bit different format. We're not gonna um, start with the jargon. We're gonna do the jargon later on today because we have a guest that uh, we need to get to almost immediately because her time is precious and valuable and she's got other places to be. So. I just wanna remind you that this show is interactive. We hope that you will participate, especially in today's conversation because we're gonna be talking about some stuff that at some point I imagine is gonna get hard for some or all of us. Um, And that's just what we're here for today, right? Uh, I wanna encourage you to write in in all the different ways that you wanna participate. We are live right now on YouTube, Periscope. We are live on Twitter and we're live on Facebook. And later on, this will be podcasts to all of those places, as well as iTunes, um, Deezer, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, as well as being on our own home website, which is autism-live.com. I'm hurrying because I want to get every minute I can of our guest, who's been very flexible with us. Um, I'm welcoming back to the show Ifunanya, Nanya, and she's going to tell me if I got it right or wrong, new wiki. Uh, I'm, I'm, it's like a three year project I'm working on. Did I say it right?
1: <laughs> you, see, you said, you said the first name, right? The last name, we're still working on it. <laughs> oh
0: man, <laughs> school me because I want to get it. How it's, do you say
1: the last? You, you, you swallow the N. So it's Ipunanya Mueke, You like swallow the N.
0: Mueke, oh, okay, I didn't know that. Yes. I didn't know that. All right, I'm learning, I'm learning. Um, but this amazing young woman, we're so glad to have her. She is a mover and a shaker. And um, someone who has chosen to be in our autism community and to bring her gifts to our autism community. She's the founder of an amazing organization, Jazz Hands for Autism. But you do a lot of things. And you are a lot of things to a lot of people. And I'm, I'm so grateful to have you in my life because of the work that you do. And I mean that sincerely. Um, and because I'm just so grateful that young people like yourself um, would choose to be in our community. And you and I know we've talked about this before, and um, you choose to see that as your gift, that you get to be in the autism community and work with these wonderful people, which just makes my day. I'm just going to be honest about that. Um, you guys had a concert.
1: Yeah, we had our first days concert. Ago. concert um, May 27th. Sorry, I'm a, I'm a crier. So if I if I start- oh.
0: Look at me! I'm already a
1: mess. (laughs) Um, A mess. Uh,
0: Uh,
1: We had our first virtual concert May 27, um, and to this day, I'm just like, wow! I can't believe it actually happened. Um, And and for many reasons, the first reason is um, just going, going, going from you know being fully in person to uh, to moving all of our classes online. Uh, and then producing a concert, an online concert, that was, it was an undertaking. And, you know, I just wanna just give, you know, just big props and big shout outs to our musicians who are just so flexible. You know, uh, many people think you know autism is you know people with autism are just so rigid and you know routine and of course th- these things exist. But our musicians uh, just went above and beyond. They 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 pushed themselves past their comfort zones to 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 you know for for the concert to record and re-record un- until they, they 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 got a video that that you know that that they were happy with. Um, and so it was it was a learning experience uh, for our musicians. It stretched us all of us, including our musicians. Um, and ultimately, the result was wonderful. So I'm just, I'm so grateful um, for, for our musicians, you know, persistence and resilience. I'm so grateful for our team. We have a really wonderful team at Jazz Hands that, that really supported and, you know, uh, supported our musicians in, in in putting that together and also just putting the actual, the whole project together. So um, yeah, we're very excited. And, you know, now musicians can say, you know, I, I, I am a digital musician. I, not only am I an in-person musician, but I'm a digital musician. So now they, they can put that on their resume that they know how to create videos from home and have it be professional videos. So, um, so it was just, it was a growing and learning experience for everybody. So I'm just very grateful that we were able to, to do it. We have another one coming in November. The date is still to be determined, but we'll, we'll be, uh, I'll be announcing that once we have more information.
0: And, you know, if, if people want to get more information about Jazz Hands for Autism and the classes that you're doing online now, where should they go?
1: Um, they, they can just visit our, our website, which is www.jazzhandsforautism.org. Um, and all of our classes that we offer in person are online, including, you know, things like music production, vocal training, everything like that are all online and they were also finding ways for us to create opportunities within the digital space for our musicians to perform and to actually, you know, find work opportunities. So we've had musicians who've, you know, done like, you know, DJing, we're really capitalizing on our Instagram. We have like a really cool project coming out that I can't announce just yet, uh, but once I can, um, I'll definitely share it. It's a really, really cool project that's gonna give our, our musicians an opportunity to be digital performers um, and be paid for it, uh, which, which is our whole goal is to, is to make sure that not only our are our, our, our musicians developing these skills, but they can be compensated for their skills and their efforts and their talents. So um, yeah, just to find out more information about what we're doing, or if, if you're interested in our programs, um, just go on our website. We're online until September, um, and then, but we're going to be very, um, Cautious with our reopening because we want to make sure that, you know, our students, our staff, our musicians are all protected uh, and that we are not, you know, creating a
0: situation where people can get infected. I appreciate that. And we always have time and room on this show to talk about Jazz Hands for Autism because it's an amazing thing that you've built. And I'm just, I feel so fortunate that I I remember when you were just starting, and and to see what you have b- built and what you have done has just been so inspirational to me. So we we love what you've done, and we always have room to talk about what you're doing here. Always.
1: I, I also just want to mention that it's uh, it may seem as if it's it's a it's a singular operation, but it's not. We have a really amazing team. Um, I'm not gonna cry, but whatever. It's if I cry, that's fine. Uh, we have a our team is like they're my favorite people in the world. Um, our team is just full of just passionate people who go above and beyond uh, to make sure that our musicians are learning, to, to, they, they go above and beyond in suggesting ways that we can be innovative. Um, so it's not just me, literally it's a team effort. Um, so Jazz Hands wouldn't be what it is if not for our really amazing team. So I'm really grateful uh, for everybody who's on our on our staff, our board and everybody who is just a part of the Jazz Hands family and the musicians who tell us where they wanna go. So. Well, it is, it is
0: an amazing organization, but I got to say, you know, it all starts at the top and you have built, and your vision has been felt and the ripples of your vision have been felt throughout the autism community. So I'm excited that you're, you know, with all the things that have not been well lately, I'm excited for the opportunities that come uh, from being forced to be digital. And I think it's going to broaden what you're doing that much more. and, And I'm grateful for that uh and grateful that you're being cautious about going back to the other but i gotta say that we specifically invited you on today to talk about something else because we're friends on facebook and you had posted something that really um hit me right in the middle of the forehead (laughs) well it did it did we've been talking a lot on the show um of late um about black lives matter Um, And how important it is that we say that and that we live that and that we find a way to not not only uh, support and help, but to stop being silently complicit or just being complicit and that you know that starts with each and every one of us and I have said here that you know if I need to take that very seriously. Um, And, and that I I feel like as members of the autism community and as parents and individuals in the autism community that we need to be taking that very seriously. And you said something on your post, you said, you know, who's ready to talk about um, the, and I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, and maybe you remember exactly what you said. But you said something about, do you want to say what you said? Do you have yeah, it there I, in front
1: I'm of you? I'm pulling it up because I, I forgot, but I, I have it on my Instagram somewhere. Okay. Uh, I said, I said we haven't even begun to discuss how police brutality also affects young Black men who have autism, because racism doesn't care about your diagnosis when you're Black. Being Black with a disability is a double double whammy when you live in America. Or are we not ready to have that conversation?
0: And I said, I'm I'm ready to have that conversation. I think we need to have that conversation. And I said, will you come here and, and talk with us? Because I'm just going to say this. I think like a lot of people, um, you know, and I, I, I can't help but look in the mirror lately and, and like, I don't notice on a regular basis how white I am. Can I, can I be honest about that? Like, I don't look in the mirror and go, oh, look at how white I am. Um, but every day uh, recently, I've been like, oh, look at how white I am. Um, and I need to be cognizant of that. And I just have to be honest. And I feel like a lot of us feel this way. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know what to do. And, um, and I think we have to start having the conversation and be realistic about this. I, my heart is Filled with sorrow and anger and fear because I have seen this. I I have seen this in our autism community before you before you mentioned it. We all have. Um, come on. And uh, you know, I and I I'm gonna be honest and say that in my life, because of how white my skin is, I don't get to see as much of it um, unless it's on the news. Um, outside of our community, but I have seen it on the news. I can't pretend that I have not. Um, and and we need to we need to do something. I, but I want I want to hear from you, and I want you to help us to get our heads wrapped around what it is we need to do. Please.
1: So um, wow, uh, you know, I, I just want to say thank you for uh, you know inviting me on the show to discuss this. It's something that is very. Um, Near and dear to my heart, as you can see, I'm a black woman, um, and even though I'm an immigrant, um, it doesn't matter where I'm, I'm. still a black woman in this country. Like when somebody sees me, they, they you know, they tend to see my skin first. Um, and I have two black brothers who are very tall. Um, one is they're both over six feet. And so when 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 whenever I see um, on the news just another, another yet another black man killed, especially when he's unarmed. Or if he is armed, he's carrying his, you know, his license, trying to show you, and you're shooting him, you know, in front of his family. You know, it's just like, will my brother come home today? Will my dad come home today? Um, and I think it's like it's um, uh, it's a very very emotional topic, and um, I'll so I'll just start with that, and then I'll address what I think you know, um, white people can do uh, to to be an ally and to be a part of you know uh, dismantling. This, the, you know, the systematic oppression and systematic racism that exists in this country. Um, so, okay, so I have a lot of, I, I did a lot of research, so I might, I, hopefully I don't word vomit, um, but I just wanted to start out by saying, you know, um, George Floyd shouldn't be dead. Neither should Breonna Taylor, neither should, uh, neither should Eric Garner, neither should Tamir Rice, who was 12 years old, uh, neither should Philando Castile, and the list goes on and on, but the fact remains that they are dead. And why are they dead and who killed them? You know, they, they were killed by, police officers, individuals paid by our tax dollars to protect and serve. And the, the question now is like, why were they killed? And I think that that is like a very, very nuanced, a very, very deep seated reason. Um, you know, I got, I have some stats here, you know, um, you know some stats that says, uh, you know, according to, according to uh, actually, before I get to that one, it says black people are three times more likely to get killed by the police in the United States by white people. More unarmed black people are killed by the police uh, last year, and th- th- this was in 2015, so in 2014. And and that's taking into account that black people are 14% of the population. And then to top that all off, 99% of the killings by police um, haven't had have not resulted in in in, in any charge, in, in any of them being charged with a crime. So a lot of these crimes are going on, they're going unpunished, you know? So black so it's, it's like black lives and black bodies are just being disposed of like willy nilly, you know? Um, and so, 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 and and the and the reason why this is happening is that there's something called uh, black. I think it's called black crime implicit bias, where there's an inherent fear of black people in this country, especially black men. And so, when the police approach them, you know, like black black people or black men are more likely to be perceived as suspects or perceived as um, aggressive, perceived as you know, uh, you know, assailant. Than, 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 you know, than, than white people, that, or than white men, you know, and I, I and that, 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 that fact, or that, that, um yeah, that, that fact, and that, and that, the, the, probability, the probability of that is very, very deep, yeah, I, I can't get into that, because we're going to be here for five hours, you know, right, um, right. but it's, it, the fact remains is that everybody, everybody has implicit biases, and anybody that says that they don't is, a, is lying, and in this country, because race is such a, such a char- such a racially charged country race there, there's a lot of implicit racial bias and a lot of that is at the expense of black people especially black men and so pol- police po- like when, when when police approach a situation they shoot first before asking any questions so now just imagine you know when when, when it's a young black man who has autism because and then if we if you look at the, the features of autism you know there's you know challenges in communication you know um and some and sometimes these difficulties in communication can can manifest in some aggression if, if they feel misunderstood or if they feel you know a sensory overload or they're stimming and you know there's difficulty understanding social situations and multi-step directives so if, if a police sees, sees, sees a young man and says uh, who has autism and says oh do x y and z and he doesn't understand and then they shoot like you know th- there's there's a heightened danger for young black men who have autism in this country as, as it relates to police brutality um because 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 you know uh george floyd he he could say i can't breathe and they still didn't care <laughs> they still didn't care about whether or not he can breathe for eight minutes and 46 seconds they st- he knelt on his neck i know even though I he know. said he can't breathe he said you're killing me and he's and he can talk he, he was able to to communicate how he was feeling now imagine that that's a young black man who has autism that's nonverbal. imagine that so what do you do And, like, I've read so many stories of, like, Black, you know, Black mothers who are young, Black, with with Black children who have autism, who are, who are just terrified. They're terrified, because how do you, even after you explain to your child, you know, you know, if you see a police officer, you do X, Y, and Z, many, most Black, most Black men have gotten that talk from their parents. But yeah, it, has, it doesn't stop the fact that, th- that these things keep happening. So I think the onus is not on, is not on, it's not on the Black mothers, it's not on the, black, on, the, on the young Black men who have autism, it's on the system. And so we have to find ways to change the system. You know, like, you know, it, and, and I know there's trainings already that exist, you know, for autism and police officers and things like that, but are the, do those trainings also include implicit bias training? How, like how much training are people getting to, to explore their implicit bias? Like I have implicit bias, you have implicit bias. We all have biases about things, and it's, it's, it's until we confront those biases and see how how they inform our actions that we can make a different decision when we are faced with an uh, like an object or, or something that that or stimulus that 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 uh, make causes our our biases to arise. And so I and I think a lot of people just don't want to want to admit that racism exists, you know you know, and, and, and or people just don't want to be called racist. And it's like, I get it, but it's like un- unless you confront the actual issue you're we're never going to get past it you know and i i i have like i i was watching many things and, you know and it's it we make it sound as if racism is like this this like thing that just floats in on a cloud you know you know just floats in like with et like phone home you know but that's not what's happening it's 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 inside like this country is founded upon like pillaging and 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 oppression and so, and do we think that, that those things are just going to go away? No, they're there. It's like it's deeply embedded, and we have to dig it out. We have to dig it up and, and look at it and and just see that this is what it is. And then we can do something about it. You know, I think it's interesting because I, I have this thing what I call compartmentalization, which I mean, it's not my thing, but in general, we have this thing where something works, and we, we know something works in one area, but we don't see how it works across many areas. So, for example, you know, in, in alcohol, in AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, right, the first step to, to, to solve an issue is admitting that you have an issue. So if nobody ever admits that, there, that there's an issue, how can we ever solve the issue? And so I, I think that what to do in, in order to dismantle these systems, you know, I was talking to my dad yesterday or two days ago and, you know, we're talking about, you know, like the, system, the, the systemic oppression, the systemic racism, but the thing is that systems consist of people, and, and and we forget that like for example like an organization like we like we want to we want to talk about an organization an organization that as if it's this like this you know if this entity of its own but an organization is made up of people the people make up the organization and so the 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 the, the oppressive systems and the racist systems are made up of, of people who have racial biases and so it's it has to start with the actual it has to start with each individual taking a look within and see okay what are my biases and how are they showing up in in my life in my work in in my interaction with people and it, it's no, no, no nobody's saying be perfect nobody's saying oh you can never have any biases what what, what is being asked, asked asked is to look at your biases and see how that that affects how that affects you and how that affects the way you interact with other people you know like for example amy cooper who the lady at central park you know who called the who the, the um a uh, uh, um, a black man was telling her to put to put her dog away in in like a you know like a leash a leash you know a, an area of the park where you have to have your dogs on a leash and she called the cops and she says I'm you know this black man is you know doing x y and z so she knew what she was doing. And then later on first she threatened first she
0: threatened i'm going to call them and call the
1: cops she threatened him with 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 police brutality so it's like it's people know that this thing exists like it's not it's not like a something that you know black people are just like you know imagining in your head and just waking up like oh wow you know this, this is something that really exists and even actually amy amy cooper did this oh hold on a minute
0: please absolutely uh and we've had a couple of comments that have come in too that I want oh, to address before we get okay. too far. Do you need to okay. take that? Are uh okay? yeah,
1: let's let's take that. Let's take that.
0: Okay. So and it was sort of at the beginning when you were talking and somebody wrote in and I I think your question was probably answered but I do want to address it. Somebody said is this about autism? And I wanna make sure that everybody realizes that it absolutely is about autism because this is the world in which we are giving our children and asking the world to take them in and for them to take the world in. So on a very basic level, whatever the world is struggling with, our kids are gonna struggle with times eight, maybe times a hundred, depending on what the difficulty is and what what our child's abilities are or what our abilities are, for those of you who are watching who are on the spectrum. So it absolutely is about autism. And we don't have to go far to see exactly what Ifunanya is talking about. I mean, we covered extensively the the situation of the autism therapist who was working with a person with autism in the parking lot, and despite identifying himself as someone who was working with a child ended up being shot by the police, although he was completely unarmed. We don't have to go far to look for these examples and see that this is happening to individuals who are on the autism spectrum and they don't have the ability to communicate. Right. Um, and also, but, but I also wanna point out somebody else wrote it and said that I have to say the discrimination doesn't affect only African-American people. It happens daily in different ways to Spanish people as well. And, and, and they are not the only ones. Um, Let's be very honest that there are different groups that have been oppressed in lots of different ways. I, I, nobody is trying to minimize that. And I wanna make sure that everybody understands um, that that's not what's happening here, but we have a a horrible epidemic of individuals who are, are, And whatever words you want to use, they used African-American, whether you want to say Black, African-American, whether you want to say that it's people of color or brown or whatever. We are seeing that the police, as you've said, that there are biases, that when the situation starts before anything else happens, in, in ABA parlance, we have establishing operations that are affecting what happens and that you can talk about everything else that's happening, but that thing is there first before anyone does anything, and that's what we have to acknowledge and and what we have to work on as individuals.
1: Um, I agree. I and and the thing is that so I actually have a couple more stats. So yeah, course, go for it. Uh, advocacy group Autism Unites: People with autism spectrum disorders are seven times more likely to interact with police over their lifetime compared with people without a cognitive disorder, right? And then, and then I have a quote from, from, from a, a mother of a young black man who has autism um, and, he, and she says, he's black male and autistic, she says. I never know if he'll be accosted. You ask questions later and you shoot first. It's happened too many times all over this nation. And so, and so the question is, is it about autism? Um, yes, I mean, yes it is because there are young black men who have autism and 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 when and if these implicit biases biases exist within the police officers who are going to be approaching them then that that, that is what that that is, that is the first that 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 is the, the first way that they're interacting is the color of their skin and and then it, questions are asked later if if they if, if they see a, a a a a young black man who maybe can't, can't necessarily communicate, maybe he's nonverbal, maybe he's stimming, or, or, or maybe he's, old, he's he's overstimulated and something's happening and he, you know, maybe he's flapping his arms and the, the police officers don't know what, what's going on. If, if, there's, if, if they have that implicit racial bias, they're going to approach that situation as, oh, this man is likely you know an assailant he's likely a suspect of something as opposed to he's a victim or he's having a hard time and so i think it's important that 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 we that, that we look at it that way i'm not saying that black people are the only people that have been oppressed or that that, that have been um, that that you know that that are that are discriminated against that that's, that's not what i'm saying what what, what i'm saying is like i'm focusing right now on on black people but that that's not excluding everybody else on other groups who who have been oppressed or um, discriminated against, but I I am focusing on specifically right now on young Black men who have autism.
0: Yes, and 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 that is a reality. Yeah. Um, that is an absolute reality. And we as a community have a have have a responsibility to um, talk about this. It gets sticky. It gets uncomfortable. I you know I I. Like, it's not how we want to spend our Tuesday morning. It's not how anybody wants to spend our Tuesday morning. But one of the things that was most uh, emotional to me is the picture of the mom on the street corner handing the sign saying when George Floyd called out for his mom, he was calling to every single mom that there is. And I just want to say that as moms of young men, uh, children on the spectrum, young men, Uh, not young men. We have a responsibility to hear that. And and we have to acknowledge, my son is on the spectrum, and I worry about him interacting with the police. But let me be abundantly clear. I know that my son can walk down the street, and if he were stopped by the police, it would be a different interaction than if my son were Black. That's just a fact. And that fact is borne out by data, um, that is just a fact. and if and I can't be okay with that, I don't know how anybody can be okay with that. It's not right. Um, but again, I go back to I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do.
1: So I so speak so speaking of you know, knowing what to do, I do have some solutions that I've been kind of thinking up. and they're, they're not necessarily novel solutions, but I think it's just like maybe a novel uh, interaction of, of, of different solutions. So um, so like, like, like I mentioned earlier, there are some autism focused law enforcement trainings um, but I, I'm curious to know if any of these trainings also take into take into account implicit bias training I think that could be one way that 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 we infuse that right um, there's also the, there's also this this big move to defund the police and I think it's a very misunderstood move um, it's not saying you know get rid of police officers it's saying um, so, some police officers have, Taking over there's too much responsibility on police officers you know they're handling you know mental health situation mental health crises and etc so in, in, instead of doing that let's 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 put some of the funding that, that, that we put into the police into other entities and other com- community based like uh,
0: social workers yes, like
1: workers, yes other, the, other professionals that that can respond to different things in our community as opposed to law enforcement and even I just just to just add one more stat right so um. In, I, I there's a, an article that I read a you know, former police officer, Seth Set Stoughton. Um, he's now a professor at the University of South, uh, South Carolina. Um, police, like the, the way that police are trained, there's 60 hours of use of deadly force in, in police training, right? And then just over 60 hours of self-defense. However, there are only eight hours of training uh, of, of de-escalation and, and resolution training in, 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 in police training. Yeah. So, so, so a bulk of the time is spent on Training uh, police officers how to be essentially just militarizing police officers how 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 to how to protect themselves and and how to use deadly force. Although the the the, the their slogan is to protect and serve. So if if you if if all you're worried about is just protecting yourself and use of deadly force, then at what point are you are you worried about protecting whoever yeah. whoever you're 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 attending to? So I think that we we need to find ways to you know reform the the, the police training. There needs to be a lot more focus on de-escalation. Um, De-escalation and that, that, that de-escalation is not going to, not going to just work for the autism community, but just across the board because it it allows you to ask questions before you pull your weapon. So just more train, more de-escalation training. In fact, there probably should be more training on de-escalation techniques and tactics than there is on use of deadly force, you know, and then once again, um, having some kind of implicit bias training or implicit bias um, evaluation done uh, before becoming a police officer because, you know, it, that, that's that in the same way that you know of course it's not necessarily all the way parallel but in the same way that that that, that you know doctors spent you know almost a decade learning their their, their how to, how to do their job because it's a life or death situation police officers are also in a life or death situa- a situation type of job and so there, there needs to be a lot more time a lot more training a lot more weeding out of people um, and, and it is be a, it needs to be a lot harder to become a cop and so, so that by, by the time you you, you get to get to the end of, at the end of that journey, you you are well equipped to not to not always just you know engage your fight or flight response, you know, and to be afraid and just react out of fear because you can't do that as a police officer because because your 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 reaction from fear can 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 kill somebody. So I think there needs to be a lot more training on just like you know um, self awareness training, implicit bias training, um, a lot more de escalation training, um, with with within within the um within, you know, the, the police training. And then just in general, I think just, I, I would just urge everybody to just ask their, their, themselves questions about their motivations and their intentions when they do things, you know, um, and, and that's going to reveal to you the areas of your biases. And once, you, once you're aware of that, you can then make a, dis, a different decision on how you approach situations and how, you know, how you allow your biases to, 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 in, to affect or color your interactions with people.
0: Somebody has written in and said, my son was cuffed and had guns on him just because he had a meltdown. This was in Lake Worth, Florida in 1997. And, and, you know, here on Autism Live, we read stories, unfortunately, close to every week where there are interactions with the police, where it's an individual on the autism spectrum. And a lot of times it doesn't end well. Um, it, It, it doesn't end well. And I, and I have to say, you know, that, um, it is um, a lot of the times. Uh, it's it's every it's every color in the rainbow, right? So this is. Uh, but I I would bet that if we were to do a stat chart on it, we would see that you know an individual like just like matching the real world, if you if your skin is darker, your outcome is likely to be darker, and that that is not okay. Um, but on a very uh, you know on a very simple basis, we we. I think we all need to say that what we're doing isn't working, and that we got to look at different ways. And I I can't speak to the rest of the world, but oh, did I lose you, Ifinganya? Uh, there you are. Uh, okay, uh, I I got to say that um, you know it's it's very clear. The statistics have been in for quite a while that what we're doing is not working. We have real problems on the street that that do not require um, you know it's it's like. When, it's like having a, a thread that's pulled on your pants and trying to take a hammer to take care of it, right? We have people that have, uh, we, know, we know that there's homeless people on the street that are, have some uh, diagnosable mental illness. We know that there are people who have learning disabilities that are on the street. We know that there are people who have drug issues. We don't need to take a hammer to take care of that problem. And guess what, we've tried that it's not working, it's not helping the situation and people are dying. And predominantly those are people of color. If we aren't willing to look at it, our kids are a part of that equation. And and we have, as a community, I feel that we have to have to have to face this. Uh, Somebody said, yes, more training is needed and they need to meet more autistic people before they are called out. Yes. I mean, I think, I think that that's a part of it. And we've, we've told our families, you know, you, you, we have to take responsibility, talk to our children, take them to the, the police department, have them meet the the folks there. But for some people that in and of itself is traumatic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's terrifying. You know, like, um, you know, like kind of going back to like many most of my, 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 my black friends who are, who are men who, who don't have autism, don't, they're afraid of the police. Seeing a yeah. police officer is not a welcome sight because because, it's, right. because, because there's profiling, there's this and there's that. And so, so like, you know, take, take, taking your child to, to the, uh, a police station is, it's terrifying. But once again, yes. I think it's important to say that I think, yes, I think parents should, you know, train, you know, do their best, you know, to, 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 Prepare their their children who have autism, you know, with you know encounters with the police, you know, using social stories and things like that. You know, visuals are really are really helpful, which I'm sure you got you guys already know. But I think the I think it's important to mention that the onus is not on the on the families. Right. It's not on the families. It's not it's, it's not on the individual, you know, who who has autism. It's on the individuals who are in the system. It's it's on yes. the police officers. It's it's on the system to change. The system has to change. Not we, the, the the individual shouldn't change because our tax dollars are, our tax dollars are funding the system. So right. it's like we're paying for this. So we should we, the system should change. It, we shouldn't change, you know. Um. And so I think it's important to mention that you know while I I know I I do think it's important. You know you know as a parent to do to do your due diligence in training your your son or daughter who has autism. You know in you know interact with the police and you know just like you know. And I think the most important. The, or the, the largest effort should be placed on ensuring that police officers know how to de-es- properly de-escalate a situation because that's their job. Their, yeah. job is, their job is to de-escalate situations. It's to protect and serve. How do you protect and serve somebody with deadly force? You cannot do that. That's not protecting. That's, that's, that, that's assailing. You're the assailant in that situation, so I think it's important that 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 you know police officers are taught how to properly deescalate a situation and to have training that spans across many different intersectionalities, not not just race, but also ability slash disability, um, and etc. You know, um, what, you know they need to have experience and training on how to deescalate a situation that 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 involves a person with. Uh, you know, that's having, you know, a mental health challenge, or a better yet, let's just get somebody else who's more who's better tasked at that instead of having the police officer come and do that.
0: Yes, yes. We have other people who are better trained for that. And, and I think you know that that is the part of the argument that isn't people are trying to highlight it but it it seems to be lost in words are so important and words right. ma- matter yeah. and across the board and um a lot of people are misunderstanding when they say defund the police that that they the fear that i'm hearing from people about lost lawlessness and um that the police will be gone that is not that's not what anybody is saying um the suggestion is that we better serve the population that we have and that we not use a hammer when we need a thread and needle.
1: Right. Um,
0: and, and, and that we all need to get better training. I, I do agree with you that I'm always trying to give parents something that they can hold on to that they can do, but, but the, I, that hasn't worked. Like we've been telling parents for eight yeah. years, you know, Take your kids to the police department, teach your kids, show them, you know, it, it hasn't worked in terms of it's not changing on the other side. And I don't think anything is going to change unless enough of us say enough.
1: In, right. Exactly. Uh, so, so yeah, like, yeah. So I think, you know, like for parents, you know, um, using social stories, you know, if, if you, if you want to do something at home, using some kind of social story, I do think it's important to talk to your kids, about race, whether or not you think that they are able to, you know, fully comprehend that in that moment. Um, But I think it's important for them to understand that, uh, understand how, you know, like the social landscape, because that is a part of social skills. Um, uh, But I think that once again, you know, as you do your part as a parent, I I just want to make it make it clear that the onus is on law enforcement to respond appropriately and respond better to, de- to learn how to de-escalate, increase the the, the de training, and you know, add a very, very large serving of implicit bias training and implicit bias evaluation. Those things are very, very important in making sure that, that the system actually changes because, because if if we don't do any of these things, the system will remain, remain the same and we'll continue to have the 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 same outcomes. Um, and then once again, let's let let's 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 find ways to invest into other resources that are better suited for for responding to different things in our community as opposed to just having law enforcement respond to everything. Because I don't think that, 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 that that's, that's that, I don't think that that is necessarily their domain. There's too much, they have too much jurisdiction, jurisdiction over things that is, are not their expertise or their specialty. So I think that we need to bring in more people into our communities that have a specialty in in these different areas, you know, so. You know, for, for things that are mental health related get somebody who's, who who's, who's in the, in the mental health community for things that are you know just uh, just just diff, different find different professionals you know because they exist people go to school for these things and, and they have deep expertise in these things so let's let's pull them into our communities and have them be the ones that, that are um, providing the solutions to, to, the, to those areas as opposed to just having law enforcement or police officers doing
0: everything across the board. Absolutely. And I think one of the big misunderstandings is about the implicit bias yeah. um, that I think, I think we all like to think, well, that's not me. Yeah, I'm not racist. And I don't feel that way. And so I don't, you know, I don't ha- take ownership of that. And there was a woman in the 80s. I, can't, I wish I would, could remember what her name was. Who would go around? She was a she was a little white woman. I'm just going to say that, but she would go around and she would do these classes at businesses, and um, I can't remember whether. See, this is how old I am. I can't remember whether she was. A what you're not woman, 20
1: years old? Or, I don't believe. <laughs> uh,
0: or or whether it might have been on Oprah, but um, she had a room full of people, every color in the rainbow, and and you know, and she was saying to all of them, "Do any of you think that you're racist?" And of course, they were like, "No." <laughs> um, no, not, not at all. We're not, not, not at all. And, um, and so she said, reach, on, I, reach underneath your chair with something along this line and everybody had a box of Crayola crayons. And she said, I would like for you to reach into the box and I would like you to take out the crayon that is, that is named Flesh. And everybody like took out the crayon and everybody had a light bulb moment. Now Crayola has since changed and they, you know, there, there was this color that was like this, you know, I think now it's called peach, right. But that was the color that Crayola, and it was in every single school around the world that this is the color of flesh. Yeah. And we all didn't notice it and and honestly recently Crayola came out with a box of crayons that it's calling the colors of the world that are its flesh colors and I think that that's that's a real shift in the way that we look at things but I just want you to think about how insidious that little thing was that I grew up with and I didn't notice and I would not have said okay there's implicit bias but that's just one example. And uh, Jane Elliott, Trayvon is saying that the woman's name was. Look oh, yeah, up.
1: yes. I know. She wears, I think she wears glasses. Um, yes. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think that I forget what I, I was watching something or I was reading something. It's been a lot of things that, you know, I've been consuming a lot of information, but essentially it's, it's impossible. Like, you know, every day, like we grow up you know you know in psychology there's priming like you know there's like we we literally grow up with messages about different things in our lives every day and so it's impossible to think that that we have not um what's the word internalized any of those things and so and i I think it's important that that we remain humble um and remain uh teachable um and and once once when we have that 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 heart position then it, it won't be hard for us to see you know uh you know where our implicit biases lie like everybody has implicit bias they're not all racially charged but they but they're all implicit and they're all biases you know and so i think that it's important that, that we once again like the, what i what i try to do is and i'm not perfect you know i there's there's times i'm like oh that was a bias you know i do something and i'm like oh yeah let's let, let's work on that let, let's explore why i feel that way about that thing but i think ask asking ourselves questions about stuff you know asking ourselves questions about why did i react that way why does that bother me? You know, why do I feel afraid right now? You know, just things like that. You know, like when 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 your your body's giving you like all your feelings and your emotions are cues and clues for you to, to discover more about, you know, your the, the way that that you're, you're, you're built. Um and so I think that, you know, asking ourselves questions about our intentions and our motivations is gonna be a very, very important tool. I think it's important that we all do that um you know everything like you know like if if, if somebody walks by and I, and I, and I, I you know i do this i'm like okay why did i just do this did, did, yeah. was this person actually really threatening to me or was it just like was i just assuming something because i watched something on tv many years ago and it it, it indicates to me that this person should be i should be afraid of this person um, and so I think just you know asking ourselves why, remaining humble and remaining teachable, I think is going to be very very important. And and you know I also want to say I mean I'm not an expert at this, but children children watch you know I don't have any kids of my own, but I can't wait you know. Um, yes. So, so yes. Children watch us you know. And you know there's something called priming once again in psychology. We we don't know that we're learning things but we're learning things. So children are watching us. So the, so the way that we respond to things you know in, in as 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 human beings as as parents. Not that I'm a parent, but as parents, your children are are. Absorbing those without even knowing that they're absor- absorbing the, the, you know, those, you know, interactions and, and the, you know, those, um, the, the, those ideologies. So I think just, you know, rem- remaining um, curious, remaining humble, remaining teachable, I think is going to be very, very important in us begin to uncover our implicit bias and, and, not, and not to be afraid of, of, of claiming that you have a bias and, 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 you know, just like, don't be afraid of that. Like, like once again, nobody's perfect. No one. And so for us, to think that 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 we are is, I think that's like that's crazy. <laughs> Nobody's perfect. No one. And so and so if we know that we're not perfect, then that, that means every day is an opportunity for us to learn and to be taught something new about ourselves. And so remaining curious, um, not if, if somebody says something about uh, says something that, that they receive from you, don't immediately say, oh no, that's not me. You know, inquire why. I wonder, I wonder why this person received that from me. I wonder yeah. why this person felt this way about what I did. And and at the end at the end of your your curiosity about that you may say well it may just be a them thing right it may just be a them thing or you may discover wow it may, a lot of it is a them thing but I see I can see how they would perceive this from me and how can I what, what can I do with this information that I have so I think you know just being being teachable being humble um, and just knowing that nobody's perfect and knowing that you know and just you know having a learning spirit I think is going to be very important in us just really uncovering it you know so. You know, for, you know, if there are, are, you know, individuals out there, you know, white people who are out there that want to know how to do, and and not just white people, really everybody, black people, you know, uh, uh, Latinx people, everybody can, can be more curious about themselves, about their motivations, about their intention. You know, in ABA, we know that we know that behaviors uh there's a function for every behavior. We know this within the autism community. That's that that doesn't just exist in autism community. Let's not compartmentalize that. That is across the board. There's a function for every behavior, even if you're not uh, on the autism spectrum. So in the same way that, that, that you approach that, you know, approach your kids with that who may have autism, approach yourself with that. Like, what's the function for my behavior?
0: Yes. Uh, taking us to church, thank you. And, and I know that. And I know that Unfortunately, we got to let you go because you got a meeting that you got go to go to. I see my meeting already started. But... I'm, I'm sorry. And I, can I just tell you how much I adore you and respect you? And I'm I'm so glad that you said what you said on Facebook and then were willing to come on here and talk about it. Please, you guys, check out Jazz Hands for Autism. Um, this is an amazing woman doing amazing things and you're a leader. and I'm so glad that we had this opportunity to talk with you. Thank you. Thank you. I know I know I, I want to try to be better. I want to be more humble. I want to be more open. I want to be more teachable. Um, so thank you for giving us that.
1: Thank you so much and thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, I thank you for all, the, all the, everybody who commented. I do well, I, I'm just so appreciative of your varied opinions and and your, and your, um, and your, and your input. Um, thank you for, you know, participating and engaging in this conversation. And, you know, I think it's a conversation that we, ha- we need to have more of, even if it's not here have it in your family, have, you know, have it in your home, whatever it may be. I think we need to have these hard conversations and not be afraid to be wrong and to be, and to be teachable and to learn. So I really appreciate this time. And I pray that we all continue to be teachable and humble, you know, myself included. I, you know, I, I learned something about, about myself every day. And so I pray that we all have that experience of learning something new about ourselves every day in ways that we can improve and Move forward better and more improved. So I really appreciate this time, and you know many blessings. And pray that you know our country sees you know more progress, you know more humility, um, and just more equity and equality for everybody.
0: Amen. Thank you so much. You have a great day. Okay, we'll be in touch soon. Thank you. Bye. Um, That was the amazing Ifunanya Wiki. Hopefully I said that right. Um, okay, we said that we were gonna do jargon a little bit later on if we had time and we do have time. And and I just wanna say before we get into that, I just, I, I thank you guys for hanging. I know it's uncomfortable. And um, I know that uh, feelings come up and, and um, I love that she was saying to us, we need to talk to ourselves and say, why am I feeling that way? Why does this bother me? Why is this, you know? Uh, what is it about this that is scary to me? Or uh, what, is it, what is it about this that feels, you know, uh, whatever, whatever it is, um, and we can start there. We can absolutely start there because for our, our kids' sake and our society case, we, we gotta start somewhere, right? Okay, but it is time for jargon of the day. This is where we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what are the experts talking about. We give you the actual definition. I try to make fun of the actual definition because you know, really, what else can you do? And then um, I we give you a working definition that's a little less specific, but hopefully it'll help you. And it's sneaky today because our jargon term for today is receptive language, and you'll see why it's sneaky. So let's take a look. You probably have heard this term. Um, If you are, especially if you have uh, anyone that you love in your family that's on the spectrum and you're talking to people at school, they talk a lot about expressive language and receptive language. So what's the difference? What's receptive language? Because this is something that we all need to strengthen, especially in these times. Let's take a look at our actual definition. Receptive language is the process of attending to communication spoken or non-vocal comprehending the communication, and being able to react appropriately within a specific, specific time parameter, even when what is being conveyed contains multiple facets. Okay, as definitions go, it's not the worst, it's a little wordy, and it doesn't really get down easily to what we're talking about. Although, Trayman, I'm gonna wanna come back to this, but let's go to the working definition of receptive language. It's the child or an individual's ability to understand what is being said to them. But just understand that what's being said to you is said to you on a lot of different planes. Receptive means this, you know, what we're open to, what we, you know, hear, what we take in, right? So um, for instance, let's say that the teacher is at the front of the classroom and she does this, you know, she raises the stink eye eyebrow and goes to one of the students. Now, um, hopefully the student would be someone who can understand, okay, I was just doing what I was doing. I looked up and the teacher was looking at me that way. What does that mean? That means that she's unhappy with what I'm doing and I should stop, right? But not every child, not every individual will be able to read the facial expressions to understand what's going on. But that is a part of receptive language if the teacher points at the person and goes like that, understanding, you know, I'm talking to you and I want you to go over there and I'm not happy because I could have been like, you know, pointing at you and going like that. Right. But I didn't, I pointed and I went right. And my face was doing something and all together, you know, I was sending the, I'm disapproving of what you're doing and you better get over there because I'm not happy right? Um, that's receptive language too, just as clearly as if I said to somebody, stop what you're doing and get over there, right? So receptive language is the ability to listen with all of your senses and to take in, in information in a time parameter which in which you can react that, that we're going to call Um, an appropriate, I don't wanna say normal because there's nothing normal about it, but an appropriate amount of time. So what we see sometimes is that some kiddos have receptive language that they can take it in, but it's like on a tape delay. So the teacher will go, right? And the student doesn't go immediately. They gotta think it through and they're like, okay, was she pointing at me? what What is it that she wants me to do? Why is her face that way? And the time that it amount, That it amounts amounts to them figuring it out the teacher already wanted it to happen so now the situation escalates you see what i'm saying because the teacher is like now you're being disobedient too um so for those kiddos we just want to sharpen up the amount of time that it takes for them to process right but there are other kiddos that receptive language is not their strong suit and it might be that they take in um the vocal instructions and they hear it and they react well, or it could be that they don't respond um, to vocal instructions, right? That it's better to hold up a picture, that their body processes that quicker. Uh, there are some kids that are not good at facial expressions, right? So there's lots of different types of receptive language, but I want us to start with ourselves right now. Think about you know, where are your receptive language strengths and where are your weaknesses? I am horrible at hand signals. Oh my gosh, it gives me so much anxiety when I pull up to a traffic stop and there is somebody who's directing traffic, whether it's in a parking lot of a baseball stadium, and it's, you know, it's like a person who's had two days training, or whether it's like, you know, there's really amazing traffic cops that have the whistles and they do whatever. Total anxiety because I have no idea what they're saying to me. Me going to Disneyland and getting parked, we usually have my husband drive into the parking lot because there's somebody there going like this. And I end up having to pull up, roll my window down and go, what does that mean? There are three different directions here and you're going like this. Which direction do you want me to go? I just can't figure it out. It's not my strong suit. I don't know why, but it's not the thing I'm good at. Uh, Whereas you know, if somebody says to me, now listen, you wanna go down here and you wanna turn to the left and then you wanna go to the right and then you wanna go past the tree and go to the left and then you wanna go to the right when you get to the blue house, right? Now that, if I'm paying attention, I can follow. Whereas other people go, you lost me at the first tree. Um, So where are your receptive language strengths? when are you good at listening? When are you not good at listening? I also know that for me, um, I don't know whether it's you know other things, but I have sensory issues. And if you give me something to hold on to, I can listen better. I just can. And I learned that my son was that way too. That if I gave him something to hold on to, you could read to him and he could hear. But if you take the thing away, he needed something to do right? And I'm exactly that way. And my mother was that way too. Um, but other people, it's the exact opposite. If you're trying to talk to them and they're holding something, forget it. It's like it diminishes their ability to hear. So understanding receptive language first within ourselves and, and knowing like, oh, where am I good with receptive language? And, and, and in general, Um, You know, we have expressive language, which is the ability to talk and receptive language, which is the ability to take in. Um, And I gotta say, you know, it's not gonna come as a shock to you that my expressive language is better than my receptive language. But what about you? What's, which one is stronger for you? And then you wanna think about which one is stronger for your child. And it's not unusual for a child on the spectrum to have very little receptive or expressive language and for one of them to jump up before the other. And I gotta say that my son's receptive language jumped up well before his expressive, but then his expressive passed his receptive. So he's much more like me now that uh, expressive is his strong suit. Um, and he's learning to take in still uh, is Look, I'm learning <laughs> to take in uh, facial expressions and to imply from them after looking at the whole situation, what they might mean. So all of us right now could be working on a receptive language. As I watch the news at night, when I can, I think, oh, we all need to do more perspective taking and we all need to l- work on our receptive language. We need to read the cues. We need to see what's happening and listen, right? Okay, moving on. We always have uh, a question of the day. And our question for you today is, what is your favorite sound? What is the thing that you hear and, you know, gives you peace or happiness or, um, obviously, I love to hear my son laugh. Oh, my gosh, there's just really nothing better than that, right? Um, and, and I would tell you that one of my son's favorite sounds is when I laugh so hard that I can't breathe. Um, he loves that, I know, because it just, he's, Doing that thing mom's laughing and he'll run into the room to to hear what 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 was it that made you laugh that way um but i also there are certain guitar sounds that i just absolutely love um you know different musical instruments that i love um and some that i don't love <laughs> that aren't my favorite but what's your favorite sound um we all need to be taking care of ourselves even though you know we've talked about so much that's anxiety provoking Everybody needs to be soothing ourselves in ways that are positive and sound is, is really a great way. I urge you guys to listen to some music today. And our topic this week um, on the show here is what are you focused on? Now, today we took some time when we focused on something that I think needs to be focused on, that we, we have a responsibility, especially in the autism community to focus on this and to be a part of the solution um, and, and to be mindful that we are a part of this and that we need to find the solution. I think that that's super important and you can disagree with me, right? But what are we focused on in general? And, and I gotta say the reason why I think it's important to us is that if we are not inclusive as a community, if we are not about justice and about justice for all, if we do not say to the world it is important to look at more than the color of someone's skin, the more um, important to look at someone for more than just their outward ability, then it will be to the detriment of our community. It will absolutely be to the detriment of our community. We have an opportunity, we have a voice, um, we need to speak up um, for our community and, Um, and our community is hurting, um, let's be honest. So, uh, I, I, you know, I want, I want you to consider what you're focusing on right now. I hope that there's something positive that you have going on. Um, that something in the future, you know, I, I shared many, many, many weeks ago, I showed you guys like you can garden in your, um, in your windowsill. Um, and then eventually I went out and dug up a part of our lawn and said, I'm, I have to plant something. I, I, and it was a, a spiritual need of mine that I needed to plant something because when I saw that we were in this for a period of time, that is what I have done in the past when something is hard um, and it's going to take a lot of time and I'm, I'm impatient and I don't want to wait, is that I plant something because there's nothing... Like planting something and, and with a hope and a wish, and going, I'm putting this seed in the ground where I can no longer see it, and I'm going to pour water on it, and then I'm going to see what happens. And, you know, when I got to be honest with you, seven days later, after I planted the garden, and, you know, it was a really long seven days because I was like, I don't know that anything's going to come up. You know, I paid for good seeds, but I don't know what's going to come up. And that's life, right? And then when stuff started breaking through, it was like, look at that, look at that. And now um, my garden is in that sort of wonky stage where it's all green and lush and everything, but there's nothing productive. Um, and now is a moment when I have to take particular care to see that things, you know, the time and the effort that things come to fruition. And this is all a metaphor for me of life and dealing with hard things and to see, you know, I, I see my little bean uh, vines and they, they twirl to try to find something to grab onto. And I feel that way right now. I feel like um, let's grab on, let's grab onto each other. Let's grab on and let's grow. Um, but it takes time, but to see my garden five weeks later, it is, it is a life affirming thing to me to see that, yes, you can plant seeds. And if you water them, things come up and it changes the face of the earth. And it can nourish you, and it can nourish the ground, and it can provide shelter. And um, it's amazing what's possible. And we are just like those plants. And we can invest in ourselves. You can plant a seed today. What is the seed that you want to plant? And then you got to water it, and you got to tend it, and you got to see, you know, uh, I got I got one plant that's like looking like, uh, it might have some sort of disease or something. I'm going to have to look at that, right? But um, Let's do something positive today. Be nice to yourselves. Be nice to each other. We're going to be back tomorrow. And hey, tomorrow we have Dr. Doreen Grandpuche back. And that's going to be wonderful. We haven't had her for weeks. And you guys can be writing your questions right now for her. Uh, It's going to be a great week. I I didn't say this. Maybe I did say this before that on Thursday, we're going to replay the Temple Grandin episode that we did a week ago with um, Temple, where she was talking about finding and feeding our kids' passions. We're going to replay that episode on Thursday. And on Friday, we're going to replay last Friday's Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy, with myself, Nancy Oswald-Jackson, and Matt Nava Paskowitz-Asner. We're going to replay that. And and I'm taking a couple of days off. I know it's just not like me in this, um, but I need to be helping to put together the memorial for Joanne Lara, which we're going to tell you more about because we're going to be hosting it. And, um, and it's a week from Saturday. And so I need to put together some things and I need some time to do that. You know what I'm saying? But we're gonna be back strong next week, all week. And I just appreciate you guys so much. I know it's a tough time, but I appreciate you being here with me. We hold hands, we get through this together. Yeah, I will see you tomorrow with Dr. Grand Pichet Keep the good thought. Uh, give your kiddos a hug for me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.